You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 430. I am your host, Noelle Tarr. And I'm thrilled you're here because today I have an exciting episode and announcement. I'm interviewing my business partner, Scott Emmons. He is the founder and chief operating officer of MD Logic Health. He has over 15 years experience in the pharmaceutical and biotech industry and has since really gone in deep on supplements and supplement quality, understanding manufacturing and testing and looking at quality and contaminants that are often found in raw materials and end products. So we're going to dive into all of that today, specifically what you need to be looking for when you're purchasing supplements. What are those other ingredients on the label? And how do you know you're actually getting what is on the bottle? So we're going to go through all of that. I am doing this episode because finally the day has arrived. Tomorrow, I am launching More Chill Magnesium, my new brand, Well Minerals, really was birthed out of the desire to formulate a highly absorbable magnesium supplement for my two crazy children. And I could not find the one that I wanted, and I noticed that there was a big gap in the industry. While developing that product, which is still being developed, it's much easier harder than I expected for many reasons, which we'll get into in this episode, I decided to kind of work on a few supplements for adults, things that I would love to have personally myself. The first of which is more chill magnesium, which is magnesium lysinate glycinate with L-theanine. It's in a 200 milligram dose, which is an evidence-based dose to really help support a calm mood and sleep. You can take it in the morning. You can take it at night. It's really changed my life personally. May 31st is the official launch date, so more chill magnesium will be available at wellminerals.us now and well into the future, and in the next few months, I will be coming out with highly absorbable magnesium supplements for kids and adults that are that's just straight magnesium lysinate glycinate, and in this episode, we talk a lot about forms of magnesium and what the industry does in order to get the milligrams up on the label, even though you're probably not digesting it. So we're just going to talk through some dirty secrets and things that I learned. I appreciate all of you so much. I have loved getting your feedback and taking you along with me through this process because this is something that I want for myself, but I also know that it's going to serve a lot of you and you all need this. Like, it's been really interesting to see how many of you are struggling as well and have the same annoyances as me. So <laughs> we're in this together and I really do. I'm I'm thrilled to get it out to all of you and get your feedback and it means so much to me. So I'm really excited to share everything that I've been learning and to get you up to speed on supplements and magnesium and all the things because this is information that's going to carry on and support you and benefit you throughout the course of your life and your buying and purchasing decisions. So now let's get to the interview. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast, Scott. I'm excited that you're here and we actually get to sit down. We've been talking about doing this for a while and we finally got it on the calendar. I'm excited that uh, we get to really dive into supplements because I have been talking to you a lot and doing a lot of research as we've been trying to develop 
Well Minerals and my own brand. And I've sort of been keeping this community included in that everything that I've been learning. Yeah. But it's nice to go direct to the source and get you here. And actually, we dive into this. So welcome. Well, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here, Noel. This is fantastic. Yeah. So we uh, we met through a friend and I have I've, I obviously I've had it on my mind for, I don't know, a very long time at this point, probably about a year and a half to two years uh, just trying to figure out. Mostly, I've been frustrated with how to supplement my kids in the way that I want to, how to how to get them the nutrients, the things that they are deficient in without adding a whole bunch of other stuff into their system, specifically at night. So I usually do all my supplements at night for my kids, and I've been struggling to really find – I get so many questions about what do you give your kids and what do you recommend and all the things. By the way, this is not medical advice. This is just me and my own personal story. But I've really personally been struggling with um, trying to find like a really quality magnesium supplement for my kids. I have learned way more than I ever thought possible about the supplement industry. And it has actually, which we'll get into more, but I've realized why it's been so hard for me to find what it is that I want, both for myself and for my kids. And that's really thanks to you. And I know you have a pretty extensive background in the biotech field. This is why you're so good at what you do and you know so much. So talk to me a little bit about your background in the pharmaceutical industry and maybe what you learned through that process. So uh, I started biotech in the 90s. We'll call it the late 90s. Uh, <laughs> but I spent about 20 years in various executive positions at some of the major pharmaceutical companies that you've heard of. AstraZeneca, which was originally Merck, which became Astra, which became AstraZeneca. Um, then I was at Takeda, which was a, a Japanese startup company. Um, and we were focused heavily in diabetes. So I know an awful lot of blood sugar, how the liver works and how uh, in terms of sugar, uh, insulin resistance. That was sort of my wheelhouse for about 12 years. I was there as a diabetes specialist. Um, and then I went to rare disease and orphan disease in uh, at a company called Shire, which was actually, interesting enough, acquired by Takeda. So now it's Takeda Shire, all under the Takeda umbrella. Um, and then some other smaller organizations uh, in orphan and rare disease space. So I graduated from college with a biology degree, and I sort of had this propensity to really want to explain and understand how medicine and nutrients work because I was a bodybuilder in college. So I really sort of one of the original biohackers, if you will, that was back when we didn't know anything. And they were throwing all kinds of concoctions uh, into your body at that point. But as a natural bodybuilder, I really had to learn like what was going to work and what wasn't. So when I graduated, it was a sort of a natural progression. I really enjoyed my time and career in biotech. And my last uh, biotech company was actually when I started with some colleagues in the collagen and wound space. And I just really struck up a part, uh, a great relationship with one of the uh, employees there who was our uh, CFO. His name is Wes, and he's now my partner here at MD Logic. We both played tennis. We both took a lot of supplements, and he would always call me, hey, what should I take for this? What should I take for that? And I was always giving him advice on what we should do. So we sold our, bio, our biotech company, and we said, hey, why don't we start a health and wellness company? And so uh, we just felt like this was going to be a uh, a natural fit for both of us. And that's how I kind of started getting into the space, but I had already been in it, you know, the the wellness space since I was 
20 for you know, realistically. But um, I love my time in biotech and it taught me a lot about how do you market? How do you make sure you have a quality product? And what are the regulations that keep the product safe and keep uh, the company safe? Interesting. So it seems like you kind of were pushed more into the wellness sphere because that was more your passion and your focus. You're, you said you're an original biohacker, which is funny because every time I ask you about something like with the fulvic and humic acid, you're like, we were doing that back in the 90s. Is that coming <laughs> back again? Like, you know, you you literally have so much deep knowledge about every little thing. And so MD Logic came around and it sounds like that's kind of more aligned with your your values and kind of what you wanted to pursue. I think it was, you know, it wasn't like I was pushed. I really felt pulled into it um, because I did truly love it. Still, I still love it. It's, it's my passion. Um, and then I thought, wow, I could, and I think I always wanted to do it. I just didn't know how was I going to do it? So like a lot of, a lot, so a lot of the struggles that our co-brands have at first is how do I, how do I do this? And, you know, where do I find a good quality company? And so fortunately after this partnership with Wes and having worked with him at uh, the biotech company, I'm like, wow, we can really do this. We've got the right partners in manufacturing. We've got the knowledge base and we, we, we know we can count on the quality of this partner because they're an owner in MD Logic and we've known that person for quite some time. So it just became this pull and I couldn't resist it. I'm like, you know what? That sounds fantastic. So Wes and I invested our own money and we, uh, we started MD Logic, which was originally a brand that was created by physicians in 2005. So it's been around quite a while. And we took MD Logic, the brand, and made it a company. Mm. So you, I feel like you have a, a very deep knowledge of a lot of different things, um, based both with your pharmaceutical background, your biohacking background. You know a lot about contaminants and quality and bioavailability and even like heavy metals and stuff like that. So with that in mind, from a consumer's perspective, what are your thoughts on where and how we should be purchasing supplements? And basically, like, what should we be looking for? I think as a consumer, there are a couple of things you want to be very cognizant of. The first is, is it a certified GMP facility? And then you can actually go onto the FDA website and you can look at that company and see if they've gotten warning letters over the years. Hmm. So you can literally see like a warning letter for uh, not uh, properly handling the product, for example, or not conducting full um, analysis of the finished product for purity, identity, compliance, and strength. And so the FDA, uh, despite I think this misnomer that the FDA does not oversee GMP facilities or supplements, they really do. And they do a pretty darn good job. They have a, a pay, you know, 20, 200 page document of, uh, you know, various things that you need to do, including the font size on the label. I mean, it gets very, very nuanced. Where, where the difference is, though, some companies don't necessarily follow all the GMP rules all of the time. And that's where you find those warning letters. So if a company has been around for a long time and they don't have a warning letter, you're, you're likely in, in really good shape. If they're GMP, uh, there's another certification, which is USP, which I think is US United States Pharmacy Association, I believe. Um, and then you want to just make sure that both the brand and whoever is making that product, they don't have any kind of warning letters. And again, you can find those on on um, the FDA website and you'd be surprised at some you know large brands that have warning letters, some of which are pretty scary when you see like some of the contaminants that are in there. 
what does GMP stand for? Like, what is that process? That's good manufacturing process. That is defined by the FDA as all of the various things you have to do from start to finish to document and all of the various things you have to do to ensure that the product meets all the specifications that you're putting on that label. Okay. So that good manufacturing process, even things like how, how high you store the product off the ground, right? We, why is that important? Well, because moisture builds up between the ground and the product. And if that moisture is in, let's say, a collagen pouch and the collagen pouch is touching the floor, moisture builds up, you're going to get mold. So even minor things like that make a big deal in terms of are you following all of those protocols? Um, for example, are you making sure that your, you know, all of your employees are wearing the proper gear, that you are making sure are you keeping your facility very, very clean so there's no pests or rodents around because that you know in other facilities that can happen so good manufacturing process outlines all of those things you have to do to make sure that the holding area and the product itself is safe and effective what what percentage sorry i want to hone in on this a little bit more but what percentage of supplement brands so like are most supplement companies that are selling products specifically like you walk into target or you walk into cvs and you see Supplements, are most of them GMP certified? Yes. So they should they should all be GMP certified if they're being sold at a large retail store like a Target or a Walgreens. Um I, I would not I would imagine all of those brands are GMP certified. Again, though, I would say, are they following the GMP protocol? So Got you it. can be GMP certified and still have you know multiple warning letters. Now every company once in a while, we'll get a little, hey, you didn't have this corner of the room quite clean enough or a particular part of your process needs an improvement. Th those are reasonable things that happen. That happens in the pharmaceutical industry all the time. The FDA comes in, they do an inspection on your facility. They might find something that they think this needs to be cleaned up. Please do that. Um, and they'll send out sort of a, a general, these are the things that need to be fixed. When you get to the warning letter stage, you can get you know more severe where they've found some kind of significant violation like uh, feces or rat feces, for example, inside the powder, or in some cases, glass inside the the product powder itself. Um, not so much heavy metals and things like that, but larger sort of contaminants that you wouldn't expect, but they get in there. Mm -hmm. What? Okay, so to continue on, what other things should we be looking for? How do we know like a brand that we're looking at actually is putting forth like a quality and also like a pure product? Yeah. So. If you look at the label and, and you really read the other ingredient section, there's right. two things I look for. If I'm buying a, a supplement that that we currently don't make, um, I, I'm going to look for, are they U.S. made? Are they GMP certified? And can I get a certificate of analysis? Now, you're not going to get a certificate of analysis at Walgreens. <laughs> you're not going to post you know, certificates of analysis all over the place on all those different brands. But you could go online, you can look that up. Usually the manufacturer will have a COA available. Like Amazon currently now uh, requires all brands to put up at least, um, I would call it a uh, consumer-friendly version of the certificate of analysis. So it just kind of gives you the basics like purity pass, you know, um, identity pass, et cetera. So that's that's the first thing I look for. The other thing is what what's the form of the product? And this is where you have to be a sophisticated consumer and do a little research. So magnesium is a great example. You know, if you go to buy magnesium at Walgreens or Target, 95% of it is going to be magnesium oxide. Now, there's nothing wrong with magnesium oxide other than it's it's poorly absorbed, and that's well known. 
um, all the scientific literature shows that it's about 5% absorbed. The reason that they use magnesium oxide is because each magnesium has a certain percentage of elemental magnesium in it. And so that has the highest percentage of elemental magnesium. But if your body's not absorbing it, it's not doing you really a lot of good. And many products are like that. For example, you'll see folic acid. Well, folic acid has to be converted into folate in your body. Right. And some people don't convert folic acid very well. So that first, so that's the next thing to look at is what is the form of the vitamin that you're giving me? Uh, B6 is another one. I want to have a methylated B6, which means the activated form, that's P, P5P versus, I think, uh, you know, your regular vitamin B6. I forget what that's called. So the form is important. I want it to be the, either the activated form or the most bioavailable form. That's That's the first thing. And then I look at the other ingredients and I want to see what other ingredients are in there. And those would be things like um, anti-caking agents, fillers, binders, flavors, dyes, etc. Why you mentioned, we'll get into all that in a second, why you <laughs> mentioned U.S. made. And I'm kind of thinking just my mind shot to all the places in the world where things are made. And um Gosh, we probably have more stringent policies around things that are made here. Is that correct? And that's that's why you're looking for that? Or talk to me more about that. Yeah. So uh, Europe does a pretty good job. Australia does a pretty good job. But there are other countries where there is not a lot of scrutiny on the product. Um, so you'll see things like ISO 9000 or ISO 9001. That's sort of the European standard of pure, you know, making a pure product. They don't have GMP. So GMP is what makes the U.S. products um, fairly well uh, regulated, despite the fact that people think they're not. They they are fairly well regulated. You also have a lot of transparency through the warning letter process because it's publicly posted. So you can see a brand that uh, has lots of warning letters or, or that has really poor consumer reviews, and you can quickly identify that. So I think that's a big reason you want the product to be made in the USA is you can guarantee that anything you're buying off the shelf, anything you're getting from uh, a reputable company such as ours is going to be a GMP certified. And 99% of folks will put that right in the bottle. Now, where it gets tricky is some companies make um, use a, we'll call them a third-party manufacturer or second-party manufacturer, and they don't disclose who their manufacturer is. So there's some brands out there that like, well, who's making it for them? It'll say like made for such and such company, but then they don't say, well, who's making it? So that gets a little bit trickier. Okay. Talk to me more about that because I think one of the things that I'm always confused at is we see a lot of, you see a lot of brands on, we'll talk about Amazon in a second, but you see a lot of brands in the store and I, you see whatever zinc and then you see 365 or Up and Up, which is the store brand of Zinc. Is there actually any difference between those two, between the name brands and the store brands? And how do we know which one is the higher quality of the two? You don't always. Um, there's oftentimes something going, the, what, what's called white labeling or multiple source labeling. So the product Zinc may be coming from the same manufacturer, um, which which is possible, not always, but the, and it might be from the same batch even. That's you know potentially possible, although that shouldn't happen. There should be separate lots and separate batches for different companies. And in the event that there is some kind of issue, you want to be able to trace it specifically to that lot and that batch number. Um, but yes, it could be 
that you have a zinc in a, and there's four zincs in, in a store and two of them are made by the same company and the other two are made by two separate companies. Um, if they don't tell so that's why I like to know like who is the manufacturer of the product, who's making the product. Um, I think that's important so that you can do your research on that manufacturer, um, that you know where it's coming from and that the the claims that are on that bottle are, you know, are uh, accurate, I would say. It's, it, I mean, I don't think there's anything terribly horrific about it. It's just, I would like, personally, I would like to know. Um, I think a lot of people don't disclose that because let's say they have a proprietary product that they don't want sort of the other competitors going to that same manufacturer and making it. Or the manufacturer might just say, look, we're just the manufacturer. We don't, we don't want to get involved in your brand's sort of customer quality issues. So there's, there's other reasons why they might not put who that, who the brand is, but that's why MD logic likes to have these relationships with their um, health folks, health experts, where we co-brand the product. So, you know, where it's coming from and what we've done to assure that it meets GMP um, specifications. Do you have, does MD Logic have multiple manufacturers that you work with, or is it just like one main trusted facility? And is that something, do most supplement brands have like multiple manufacturers? Most supplement brands do have multiple manufacturers. Um, MD Logic has one primary manufacturer, and we do have some partners, but they don't manufacture the product itself they might help us with uh, packaging for example right. so we have one partner that works on pack blister packs we don't do blister packing but we have a product that requires it which is our probiotic so that each capsule is oxygen sealed because once you open the top of a probiotic oxygen get again you're killing that that bacteria so we we foil seal in, uh, each individual and so that's like an example where we use a partner we have one major facility and we're building a state-of-the-art facility in North Carolina now that should be operational within a year, maybe maybe a little less at this point. Um, and that's where we're going to start to do some new and interesting things in the liposomal space and some new uh, encapsulation type uh, formulations. Nice. Okay, so let's get to Amazon because <laughs> I am guilty of this. I will say it's very easy to buy supplements from Amazon. They're right there. It's free shipping. What are some of, and then I, I have listened to quite a few people on, on podcasts, tell me not to, you've told me not to. What are some, of, from all of your knowledge and what you know about manufacturing, how uh, even how supplements need to be stored and all that kind of stuff, what's the problem with, why is it so bad? Why can't we buy things from Amazon? Okay, I, I wouldn't say it's super bad, but, but what I would say is that you don't have sort of a pedigree of where the product has has been, right? Where has it been stored? At what temperature was it stored? So the FDA guidance on um, on retail stores is that they don't have to store it in the whole, same holding manner as the manufacturer, which is us. But if you're in a warehouse um, situation, you know, that's, that doesn't qualify as a retail store. So I, I don't know if it's in a warehouse for three months and it's, let's say it's fish oil or krill oil or something with some kind of, something that could go rancid. That could be problematic. Yeah. Um, I don't know enough about their buying habits. I do think they've gotten a lot better by requiring a CO, uh, you know, certificate of analysis, which is a big step in the right direction. But I do think that we, I just don't know what the pedigree is of that product and where it's coming from. So to me, that's the biggest danger is, is it expiring? Has, uh, has it gone bad? 
Uh, are you actually getting the brand that you say you're getting? And, and most likely you are. But I know for certain that my product's been climate stored. It's you know, temperature stored. I know exactly what's in it. I know exactly what's been tested. I know how it got there. It's, you know, we do UPS shipping. So it's there in two to three days. So I just feel much better buying from companies that I know it's coming from their facility to mm -hmm. mine um, versus Amazon. Now, I, I'm guilty of also buying things on Amazon on a rare occasion, but I try to make it things that I know are like pretty durable and brands that I'm positive or as close as you can be to positive that they're really quality brands. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I do believe that Amazon tends to, I mean, how Amazon works is they're taking all of these products, storing them in their own warehouses, then shipping them. That's how they can ship, you know, whatever, a baseball bat with your very random kids magnesium supplement in the same box and get it to you in a day, right? They're not shipping it from each individual person. They store it in their warehouse. And I have had many times had things either be like exploded. So like the supplement is exploded, capsules are sort of busted open, <clears throat> um, or things are dried out. And, you know, from a food, even food perspective. So like if I've bought, um, gummies or something for my kid's birthday party, I've actually found some that are so rock hard, you can't even chew them, even though they're not expired yet. So sometimes that expiration date is can also be misleading because it was stored in a way that degraded it and completely shipped in a way that degraded it, like further shipped from Amazon, whether it was exposed to heat or moved around or whatever. So... Yeah, I think I think the exposure to heat is probably the, the most significant. Um, I ordered a product one time that it was a liquid product <laughs> to arrive frozen, frozen solid, um, and I thought to myself, "Well, that's probably not good." And when it reconstituted, it never really, it never really reconstituted right. So yeah. there are those those things that can happen, um, and I've seen those things too, where they they, they the capsules or the gelatin have kind of melted together. I got fish yeah. oil once that was melted together, you know, and. Whether that happened outside in, you know, in our, my garage and the sun was hitting it, possible. I doubt it, but it's possible. More than likely, it got that hot either on the truck, in the warehouse, or probably facing. Uh, the, the, the ease of Amazon is so tempting. You know, I think people just need to take that one step back and say, should I get this product from a place I, I know what I'm getting and I know the quality is going to be good? And then the other thing is 99 percent of the products I see on Amazon are coming in plastic and we're trying to get away from that too. And I think that's a another issue, more of a global issue and, and definitely one in the health space that we want to address. Yes. That's one of the reasons. I mean, it, it wasn't even a question. You're like, we're just we're using glass bottles, which I really appreciate. I I would say 90% of the supplements in my in my cabinet are in plastic bottles and I get why, right? It's cheap, but like every time, I mean, I'm going through supplements that I use regularly every two to three weeks, every four weeks. And not only is that plastic, you know, we know plastic contaminates things, but it's just being thrown in the trash and it's not going anywhere. We know plastic doesn't go anywhere. You can't recycle it. So I love that about what you do and your perspective. And I also love it from a health perspective of just being exposed to less plastic overall. Um, but we'll get in that yeah. in a second. second. I, I do want to talk more about specifically well minerals, the process of formulating 
<laughs> mineral supplements or magnesium. In other words, me sort of um, driving you crazy trying to figure out, you know, the best formulation <laughs> and the cleanest formulation. Do all companies, are they required to test raw materials and then do batch tests to prove potency? Or is that, you know, what's your process and how do you go beyond? So all companies are uh, encouraged to get a qualified supplier. Um, and then the qualified supplier, what that means is they've already asserted and passed that they have a, a certificate of analysis that that product meets certain specifications. So whenever we call up, let's say we're we're buying, uh, working with a new supplier or one that we've been working with for a long time, the first step in making sure you're getting a quality ingredient is to use a quality supplier. There's so many products that come from China, which is why you want to a have them as a qualified supplier that has supplied the FDA and they're registered with the FDA and they have a certificate of analysis of the product they're sending you. Then to answer the second part of your question, it, does everyone test both the product coming in and out? Oftentimes they will rely on the supplier being qualified. They'll rely on that C of A. We start with that and we go to our best suppliers first, unless it's the new ingredient. And then I'll walk you through uh, um, an example of where we got a new supplier and really had to, to search high and low. Um, so the first thing is we get the qualified supplier. We make sure that the, the qualified supplier is registered with the FDA and that they have a certificate of analysis that meets all the specifications that we're looking for, which means that its identity is right, purity is right, strength is right, and its composition. And then it doesn't have any mold, toxins, or heavy metals, or it meets all of the, the U.S. standards for that or better. Um, and just Real quickly, the, those four things I just mentioned, identity, purity, strength, and composition, those are the four things that the GMP certification requires you to test on the finished product, not necessarily the raw ingredient. So what MD Logic does, when we get the product from our qualified supplier, we quarantine it. Then we internally at our own facility, laboratory facility, we do a lab, laboratory analysis on that product for those four things, identity, purity, strength, and composition. And then we go a step further and we check for contaminants such as mold, toxins, heavy metals, etc. And the reason we do that is we don't want to bring a product that is either contaminated with mold, doesn't meet our specifications. We don't want to even want it into the manufacturing facility because then it could get cross-contamination with something else. So before it even comes into our manufacturing production area, it's tested for all of those things plus heavy metals. So that's two steps that have already been done. One, they've already passed the FDA and they're already a qualified supplier. Then we retest for all of those things plus heavy metals. And then we make the product and we do what's called uh, batch testing and testing of the final product on all of those things again, because something could have happened in that manufacturing process. Right, yeah. So we, we go sort of that extra mile to make sure and one of the things we had mentioned earlier um, that we're also, you know, steering away from is I, I had mentioned anti-caking agents and dyes and mm -hmm. fillers and those those types of things. And so some of them are fairly benign, like magnesium stearate is a fairly benign anti-caking agent. And so what we're doing with all of our brands as we're reformulating and, and making new ones, is we're clean, cleaning them up to have as either little or no stearates at all no pomatates, and definitely we're trying to completely avoid some of the more, what I would call them more toxic ones like silicon dioxide, for example. 
Hmm. Um, and that is a common uh, anti-caking agent used in the industry. So if you see silica or silicon or silicon dioxide, that's one I would try to avoid. Magnesium steroid is probably the most benign of the anti-caking agents. And that's the one we, when we absolutely have to use an anti-caking agent, and I can explain why, um, that's the one we will typically choose. Yeah. Are all, okay, so you obviously, this is so interesting because I do, when we were talking through a lot of this, this is a lot of the problem with the cosmetic industry is that what people will do is make products. They'll get their products from suppliers. They will make their product. They are not required at all, nor do they retest those individual products or then their end products for those contaminants again. The main place that things are contaminated are really in manufacturing, right? It can be heavy metals. It could be plastic because one time with a beauty counter, there was a supplier who was storing lavender in plastic BPA bags saying, here you go. Here's your clean lavender, right? For your fragrance. Yet all of our end products were testing contaminated with BPA. Why is BPA showing up on on these end products? They, they didn't have that wasn't a requirement. Right. But then we were able to trace it back and say, where is this BPA coming from? And we found out it was the bags it was stored in the clean product. Wow. right? So it's interesting to me that that is so true in the supplement industry as well. And there can be so many places where things are contaminate, contaminated. But if you're not testing it, then how do you know that there's a problem along the manufacturing process or with your supplier, even though they may be telling you, this is a good product, this is fine, we passed, right? You still have Mm -hmm. to do your, I I say, you still have to do your own testing, which is why I appreciate what you guys are doing. Um, But it's it's kind of the, it's scary when you think about the main, I mean, I don't want to put any fear or worry on people, but it it is a lot, especially when considering things like heavy metals and even mold, you know? yeah, so, and I, I think it's the cumulative effect of all of it, right? Like the lavender BPA alone, it's not going to really affect your life, but it's the it's the culmination of BPA and everything, exactly. right? There's so many microplastics, um, which is why we're trying to get away from plastic and trying to get trying to get away from um, the anti-caking as, as much as we can. And and when we do use it, we minimize it. We make sure we use as little anti-caking agents as possible. For example, in your product, we didn't use a steroid or a pomentate or anything like that. We use monolorium, which is actually a supplement for GI health, but it also works as an anti-caking agent. Now, it's much, much more expensive than other products in the anti-caking agent. So people right. say, well, how come your product is more expensive than so-and-so's? Well, because we're using a very expensive anti-caking agent in ve- you know, in, in the right quantities and then making it in a small batch in a glass bottle. Well, yeah. That's going to be more expensive, but it's going to be better for you. But it's fascinating that uh, even just sitting in a plastic bag could contaminate at the end of the day. They they test you tested it and found it was high or had contained BPA, which I find kind of almost amazing. But the great news is, is Beauty Counter is testing and rejecting yes. it when they see something wrong and then identifying where it went wrong. And that's that's the kind of company I think people should feel good about. Right. Right. And I mean, that's kind of why. And then this whole thing with lead and chocolate, I'm sure you might have seen that where people are trying to figure out, oh, wow, well, 
it's actually testing above what is considered safe. Like there's no such thing as lead-free chocolate as I've learned, but man, we're, this company did independent testing. Here we go. High levels. Where is it coming from? It's typically coming from how things were transported and how things were manufactured and even the gasoline that's used. You know, it, it's, it's crazy to see the, you know, someone like me who eats a lot of chocolate, you have to consider like, wow, that, the cumulative effect of me consuming this every single day is is interesting. So then you actually have to do the extra work of calling around to chocolate companies like I have, or even cosmetic companies, which I have. You know, I've, I've emailed 30 different cosmetic companies asking, you know, do you do additional testing for heavy metals? It's a little bit extra work, but I have the privilege of being able to tell everybody else, you know, so I feel a little bit more driven to do this stuff because I'm like, well, I have to figure it out for my community. Right. But (laughs) it, you know, it is for me as well. I want to make sure I'm buying the right chocolate and I'm not, you know, there's no lead or whatever in my lipstick. And that, that's, that's the extra step that I feel like sometimes we have to, to go through, especially for people who are struggling with chronic illness. You know, one thing that I, you were talking and talking about what, you know, the, the mold and the contaminants and what, things can actually be found in products. My husband was having a random allergic reaction and he's allergic to red ants. And we were like, you know, no bites. What's going on? He was getting hives and he would get, it it got really bad, really bad hives. And it it was cyclical. Like he would be fine. And all of a sudden it would come back. And somebody messaged me and said, have him stop taking all supplements. And I was like, well, he's, we don't take that much, you know? And I, I had been giving him some extra supplements to help with because I thought it might have been like an allergic reaction. He would, he had been outside and I was like, okay, we'll bump these up. It's springtime. I have stopped all supplements, the extra supplements that I had given him, which came from Amazon. And <laughs> um, and he never had a reaction again. So wow. it was interesting to me that I was like, oh, something could have act, even though, and a lot of people do this. They say, well, all of a sudden I'm reacting to this supplement. I'm like, report it to the manufacturer and stop taking it because it could actually be that something is contaminated in that product. Something might've come along that's, uh, you know, activating your immune system. So. Wow. That, that was, that is a story I would have never expected. Um, Was it, did you isolate it to one specific supplement or you just stopped it all and never went back to those? Um, I ended up kind of throwing away what we had had and getting, because there were things that we need to be taking. Right. So I then ordered some new bottles. I did try to order direct from manufacturer. So like, and then tried to make sure there's a few brands that I do trust when I, and when I need to buy things. And so like buying directly from those brands and it's never happened again. So I just had to stop all of the, the supplements that I had in the, in our cabinet and kind of start mm-hmm. over. And so I slowly inter- reintroduce things one by one and it was fine. It was nuts. But I'm so thankful to the person who told me that they're like, stop all supplements. And I was like, oh, then never had it again. So anyway, yep. it just makes you kind of think you, you, sourcing contamination, all that kind of stuff is really important, especially with something that you're taking on a daily basis. Exactly. And that's why we want to make these so clean, because it, if you're taking five, so I take about five, six supplements a day, right? And yeah. if you're taking every day or most days, five or six a day, if there's a contaminant in, in one of those that's that's going to build up really quickly so and and what we, we had mentioned earlier is there's just a prolific amount of contaminants we're already exposed to and the reason yes. most of us take supplements to begin with is to help detoxify our body not to put more toxins in it right neither detoxify right. and or help the cells or 
many things. So um, let me ask you a question. Also, yeah, you had mentioned you know, it's hard to get your kids to take the supplements and you want to make sure that they're clean. Well, I have a 23-year-old and a 20-year-old, and I don't know if you ever saw the Seinfeld episode where Jerry's trying to get Kramer to take a uh, medicine and <laughs> Kramer is like a dog and he's struggling and Jerry pinches his nose and he's rubbing his throat, you know, <laughs> and finally Kramer spits out the pill. Well, that's my my son, 23. He can't take a capsule. My, I'm, I'm a, you know, running a supplement company. You can't <laughs> take one, one magnesium capsule because <laughs> I know he's not getting the nutrients he should be getting, you know, so right. um uh, yeah, so I, I find I, I even at 23, it's a struggle to get your kids to get, you know, good quality uh, supplements into them. So I've got to put everything yeah. in powders and make sure it's palatable. And this kid, I don't know, he's got some bionic palate because <laughs> if I put one little teaspoon in his orange juice, it's like, did you mess with my orange juice? I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was asking, so, you know, so along this journey, what 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 is it that compelled you to want to make magnesium for adults and why you made the blend you made? and what is it that you hope for with the magnesium for kids that we hope and that we know is coming? Yeah, well, just full disclosure, Scott does not. He really tried to push me not to do a drop because he knows it's harder and more expensive. Yes, I was those like, are both true. this is what I want to do. I want to do a drop. And you're like, but what about a powder? And I'm like, I think drops. And you're like, I think powders are great. And I'm like, no, I look, I pulled everybody on Instagram. They want drops. I, once, you, once you did the poll, I... I conceded after the poll. <laughs> so um, I, you know, gosh, we just live in. I, I make this comment a lot, which is if you're a woman living in the modern world, you're likely dealing with stress. You're likely dealing with environmental toxins. You're likely dealing with, you know, feeling overwhelmed and um, maybe sleep issues and all of these things. And so it's it's hard out there and it it is hard also on our kids and our kids are, you know, being exposed to, or what I feel, I feel like our kids are being exposed to a much higher level mm. of stress and expectations and environmental toxins and stimulation and, you know, it, it more so than ever. And I can tell, and, you know, I can tell from the research, I've done a lot of, you know, looking into research, evidence-based literature on what do our kids need and what are really important for their development overall, especially, you know, early on with brain health and and just proper immune function and all those things. And that's become so important to me as I have these two little kids that I'm just trying to raise and to be, you know, competent and well-adjusted adults, which is a task, right? And for me, the more and more research that I've done, and we've discussed a lot of the research just about ADHD and focus and attention issues out there that there is on magnesium in particular for kids and how a lot of kids who are struggling with a lot of these issues have deficiencies, very serious nutrient deficiencies. So for me, I really wanted to make sure that I could get high quality supplements into my children without it being a chewable or a chewy because I personally just got frustrated going upstairs every night trying to brush their teeth and seeing hot pink chewables in in the crevices of their back molars. Mm -hmm. I don't I'm I was just I want I want to drop. I I love drops. I feel like they're really really great. Um kids take them pretty well. You can add them to things, but you can also, you know, just give it to them straight and like a little shot and um I really want to make sure that my kids are getting bioavailable magnesium without 
a lot of the added stuff. And so that's kind of where my passion came in for trying to make sure that it's a magnesium glycinate or a, gl- or a glycinate glycinate, which you introduced me to because everything out there is citrate. And I understand the need or oxide. I understand the need for oxide and citrate. I understand that sometimes kids are constipated. I understand that sometimes people want a natural laxative. Go for it. But that's not what I want to give to my kids as a form of magnesium um, for them to be able to take and actually absorb and to actually see benefits. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I feel like a lot of people, they take things and they're like, that didn't help me or I didn't, I'm not feeling the results. And this actually happens a lot. I hear this a lot with magnesium. And I'm always like, check check what's on your magnesium, what's on the label. If it's yeah. citrate or oxide, mostly oxide, that's why. So many people have come back to me and said, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I was just taking straight magnesium citrate or my my supplement was mostly magnesium oxide. So I'm obviously very passionate about bioavailability in this these specific forms, but I also want it just to be easy to take and without a lot of added fillers or sugar or just stuff that's going to get stuck in my kids' teeth. So, Yeah, excellent. I really am excited about the, the lysinate, uh, glycinate form the chelated form i think both of those amino acids in and of themselves have properties that are helpful uh, but they also the way that the chelation happens with the different amino acids makes a big difference as to how bioavailable it is and what types of activity it will have in the body and where it will go and what it will do so uh, i've i know i think you've been taking a a a different brand prior to this of glycinate glycinate you tried it out first i think is that yeah. is that how it uh, yeah, so I'm yes. glad that uh, this will be our MD Logic's first and likely only lysinate glycinate, which is fantastic. And then in the adult version, you added L-theanine, and I just took three three of them before this this um, podcast. Yeah. Not because I'm super nervous, but it just helped me relax. It helps me yeah. focus, kind of slows my natural speedy tempo up uh, down a little bit. So I, I'm a big fan of L-theanine. I usually mm-hmm. take one at night, maybe two at night. Um, and then sometimes I'll add an L, a melatonin to that, depending on like, you know, how tired I am. Mm-hmm. But my son, who's very anxious, young guy, he takes like four L-theanine a day minimum. I mean, he, I'm going broke buying this L-theanine. So I'm very much waiting, looking forward to when your product comes out so I can get some magnesium and L-theanine into them. Mm-hmm. What's the dosage that you are taking in the morning versus at night? Like what are, how many milligrams? So the one I have is a 200 milligram made by uh, MD Logic. Well, actually, it's made by a separate division of MD Logic. Um, and it also has a little bit of vitamin D in it. Like, I don't know, it's a tiny, like 50 IUs. It's a tiny amount of vitamin D. Mm-hmm. But if you're taking three or four a day, you know, it's just like to help out. Um, yeah. But I take 200 milligrams and I usually take two with my coffee depending on how much coffee I'm going to have. I try not to go over two cups a day. So if I'm at two cups of coffee, I'm going to have two L-theanine, one cup, I'll have one. And then at night, I'll probably take one or two with melatonin or without. Yeah. I honestly think it's something that like everybody should experiment with and tweak with. Now that's not medical information again. So make sure you talk with your doctor about that. But yes. like it really changed my my life, my sleep, especially after Maverick. So L-theanine is a naturally occurring non-protein amino acid. Most of my community here has heard me talk about it so often because it is really helpful at increasing calming brain chemicals, including GABA, uh, serotonin. It also increases dopamine. 
And they it really works to help regulate emotions and mood and concentration, alertness and sleep. It's kind of like a well, it's a it's a chill pill, right? It's your it's essentially the chill pill that we all need. <laughs> and um I found that supplementing with it, a lot of people, we've talked about that this on this podcast. A lot of people supplement with it at night, me in particular, to help support sleep quality, to just help me relax, bring my if you have a mind that likes to spin when your bed hits when your head hits the pillow, you need your chill pill, right? Um, but it also a lot, there's a lot of been a lot of research recently that I've been looking into that shows just how beneficial it is to be taken during the day and how it can really help with stress-related symptoms, with feeling overwhelmed, and it just can help you calm down. The evidence-based dose is between 200 to 400 milligrams. So I typically take 400 milligrams at night, but they've done a lot of studies. I can link to them in the show notes specifically about the effects of L-theanine on stress-related symptoms and cognitive function. And it's been shown to help improve calmness and like contribute to sustained attention, which God knows we all need that, which I thought that was so, you know, it's pretty profound. So I think that the combination of two, I actually personally, for me, I give very small doses um, of L-theanine to my kids at night. And then um, obviously magnesium, lysinate, lysinate, it's it's in a powder form, but man, does it taste bad. So so I'm trying to figure out, you know, we're trying to figure that out we, right I think, now. I think is, we're getting close. Yeah, how, we, <laughs> how do we create a combination of magnesium, glycinate and lysinate, glycinate? Um, you know, these forms of magnesium that have evidence, have literature behind them that are helpful for kids. How do we get those in a decent amount without it, you know, with, with, and I know somebody, everybody's like, can you just make sure that it tastes good? That is our main goal really is to make it easy. Cause who wants to make a kid supplement that tastes gross? Like it's just, it's, it's not going to work. So it's tough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they call that, uh, Organoleptic properties is the uh, the GMP terminology for that, and I was like, "That's a good word to know." Organ, yeah. which basically means taste, smell, texture, right? Those sort of things. Yeah, um, I thought that's a great word, so I, I really try to burn that one in my head. <laughs> like yeah, it. kids especially. Uh, like I said, my son, if I put one teaspoon of like vitamin C, which is already kind of like just makes the orange juice a little more tart. Like I mm-hmm. put it. We don't make it anymore, but we used to have this powdered vitamin C, and I would put like a teaspoon or maybe two in the orange juice because it would make it last like a week and a half longer. Plus I was getting extra vitamin C. So what the heck? And every time I did it, he could taste it every time. I'm like, how do you even taste that? It's citrus. (laughs) I don't get it. It it, it, Yeah, they're very, very picky eaters. So I think we're going to come up with the the, uh, magic formula for that. But the issue that you you just kind of grazed on a little bit is it is difficult to get the right amount of lysinate glycinate because the more bioavailable the form, it tends to also be the lower elemental um, per milligram. So in other words, let's take a thousand milligrams, we'll use a hundred, make it easy. A hundred milligrams of magnesium in its in oxide, right, is going to be 60% ma- elemental magnesium. So you're going to get 60 milligrams. Whereas the more bioavailable forms are going to be closer to like 7%. 20% bioavailability, or I'm sorry, uh, elemental magnesium. So you're going to get only 20 milligrams out of a 100 milligram capsule. So that might sound counterintuitive, but it's because of the way that the, that when it's high concentration, way that it's chelated, you're going to get sort of larger volumes, but less 
total elemental magnesium. That's what makes these these unique forms harder to get into smaller sizes. For example, magnesium L um, L three and eight is one of those that you've got to have you know at least two pretty decent sized capsules to get a therapeutic dose because you've got to put a full gram in each capsule just to get to you know one hundred and forty five milligrams of elemental magnesium. And with glycinate, glycinate, it's a really well uh, absorbed uh, bioavailability product, but it has that low um, percentage of elemental magnesium. Right. So in other words, and I've been trying to explain this a little bit to people, you'd have to take four capsules to get, let's say, 400 milligrams of magnesium to see that on the label. If you say, okay, I want to take 300 or 400 milligrams of magnesium, you're going to have to take four capsules. Whereas with magnesium oxide to get 400 milligrams on the label, just it fits in one capsule. So that's why companies, which I like to say they cut their magnesium supplements to you're like, okay, we're cutting things now. It's bu- the, <laughs> the correct term is buffered. But, you know, I like to say, well, you're cutting it. You're basically taking a form of magnesium that's well absorbed. And then you're saying, well, let's just throw in some magnesium oxide to get that number up, even though people aren't absorbing it. And I really couldn't I know you're in you you see used to that and you obviously you're not like a hater on mag, all all these different forms of magnesium but I really I just find it I'm like this can't be the thing this can't really be it like everybody knows that magnesium oxide is just a laxative it's like not even really absorbed how are all these companies companies that I kind of trusted like the buffered magnesium glycinate that I have recommended for a while is magnesium glycinate with oxide and that's that's it that's the only form right and i looked at it recently and i'm like how did they pull the wool over my eyes on this one too right <laughs> and you, well and you discovered it during the process when we were formulating your product right so that yeah. you'd say wait a second if, if that's the case i gotta check this brand i'm taking and then you yeah lo and behold there it was and it was see- buffered in oxide yeah Right. And and what you told me, too, is that most manufacturers, they won't tell you the difference. They won't tell no. you you're getting 200 milligrams of magnesium glycinate and then 500 milligrams of magnesium oxide or whatever it is. They just will say it's a blend. Right. So it, like in that case, they, they might say it's magnesium glycinate glycinate and, and buffered magnesium glycinate glycinate but what's the percent right is it 75% buffered version and 25% which was right. why when you and I were talking I said we really want to maximize the glycinate glycinate and put like separate that out on the labels so people yes. see they're getting a large quantity of the actual glycinate glycinate um and that way they you know it's to me that's just transparency to the to the consumer right that they yes. can see exactly how much of the of that you're getting now I'm not averse to proprietary blends completely, but when your when your messaging is about this particular form, which is a, it's not two different forms to be clear, it's it's a lysinate glycinate double chelated magnesium form, right. um, and that's pretty unique to have the sort of double chelation of two different proteins, um, and so that is unique, and I want people to know like. This is unique. It's a unique formulation, the unique chelation, which basically means an amino acid bound to the magnesium so that it can get into the cells better and hence that high bioavailability. And we want to make sure that you know you're getting a substantial amount of that form of magnesium. Mm-hmm. According, Actually, according to the research, that is the most absorbable form of magnesium. 
So yeah, um, and that's why I, I was so in uh, in favor of of going that route. I think I think mm-hmm. people are going to feel um, a tremendous difference without that laxative effect for the most part. I want to talk about two more things. One is fillers. And then mm-hmm. the other is the enteric coatings. So what are fillers? You talked about how you always look at other ingredients. We talked about anti-caking agents. What are typical fillers and what are the most common ones used in the industry? And then what do you typically use? I think we talked about the, you said, I got you, I got you, a good, I got you a good one, um, the wood pulp. But what are what are typically used as fillers? And, and also what's their purpose? Uh, so rice flour is your most common filler. Some Got sort it. of rice, rice husk, rice flour, that's going to be your number one filler. And some people don't want to take rice for a lot of different reasons. So we've removed rice from a lot of our products. But rice is probably the most common. And the reason you have a filler is when you're, well, let's start with anti-caking. Anti-caking is um, when you're putting powder through those little cylinders and then trying to get it inside that little tiny capsule. If you if there's even a little bit of moisture in the air, depending on the product you're putting in the capsule, it starts to cake onto the machine or it'll cake inside the the spray gun that's putting the the uh, powder inside the capsule. That's what the anti-caking agents are. So they're, they're kind of like sli- slippery, almost like soapy kind of products to keep that from from sticking. So they absorb, absorb the moisture or, or I should say kind of block it so that it, it doesn't get jammed in the machine. Because mm-hmm. if you're trying to run 500,000 capsules through a machine, and it jams, that's a, that's a problem because then you got to clean the whole thing. So hence why we do small batches, which makes it the whole, whole process easier. And then we use things that are much more expensive, but we feel, you know, um, much a better option. Like in your case, Monolorian is, is the anti-caking agent. What we use for um, the filler and why it's needed is once you fill that capsule up, it's hard to get it exactly to the level you want, right? So let's say you're using a 700 milligram capsule because you can't use a 500 milligram capsule, but 700 is too big, 500 is too small. Well, you don't want the capsule to look empty because the consumer is like, well, how come this capsule is three quarters empty? So the filler is literally just what that what it says. It's sort of a benign, in this case, the benign thing being most common in rice, whereas we use um, just this natural organic wood pulp. It's human grade, edible, natural organic wood pulp to just fill it up. So it's, you know, it's, and it's a very small percentage. You're talking about like two, two, one to 2% of the product might be a filler. And it's just in there to make the capsule complete versus, um, you know, like where you can kind of bend it and there's like a big kind of gap in it. That's what the fillers are for. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, I think to close out, and I, this is something you opened my eyes to, and we've talked a lot about, you know, just removing plastic contamination overall. We're reducing that, obviously, with the glass bottles. Talk to me about enteric coatings and uh, the the phylates and stuff that are typically in these capsules and coatings. Yeah, that one was interesting as I was, uh, so we were coming out with um, a new product that needed a um, delayed release because it was acid libel. So the stomach pH would, you know, eat the product. A lot of probiotics are like that. Mm-hmm. And so I spoke with um, our lead chemist and I said, what can we do besides enteric coatings? Because as I was researching enteric coatings and this, I kind of knew this back from my pharma days because I worked on some enteric coated products that a lot of aspirins and pharmaceuticals are enterically coated. But the enteric coating is oftentimes a specific kind of plastic. 
which shocks people. But if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. It's um, it's like a, I forget the exact acronym, but it's like HCMP, which is a, it's essentially a, a plastic and usually it's a non-organic kind of plastic. And it, it's such a micro small amount, probably not doing a lot of harm, but again, it's like the compounding effect of all these things. So what we've done is anytime we need a delayed release, we've, we found a unique company that provides us with these ultra thick um, acid protected uh, vegan capsules. So they're, veg, they're veg, veggie caps basically, but they're super thick and they're acid resistant without a chemical spray. So the other thing is they'll spray either the, the capsule itself with this sort of enterocoating with a plastic or other enterocoating, which is a chemical, or they'll spray the beads inside, right? So it can either be the beads inside or it can be the capsule itself and or both. Hmm. So we did is we said we want an all natural version of that. Is that possible? And we came up with one that lasts about three hours in a pH of three. Um, and then once it hits water, it dissolves pretty quickly. So once it gets past your stomach and uh, acids, it's going to dissolve really quickly where it's supposed to in your intestine versus your stomach. Um, and that was one of those, those sort of differentiators in our brands versus brands at 95 nine percent are using enterocoding and most people think that's a great thing like oh good it's going to protect my product yes but it might also have a chemical in there that you don't want to be ingesting oh gosh and or plastic yeah no when you told me that i was like wait a second what um yeah it's it's really overwhelming to think about all uh, just all the things that we're potentially exposed to on a daily basis um so one quick uh, word too. I want to uh, before we wrap this up and we talk a little bit about what's coming tomorrow. Um, one question that I've been getting a lot is about by optimizers magnesium breakthrough. I'm still definitely partnered with them. I think that they make some great products, and I think that they're a reputable company. I've had the the um, had both Wade and and a couple other people on here multiple times just doing interviews because they are really knowledgeable. I'm very grateful to them. I think that they've done some great products and they have helped me. They've helped my community a lot. My ultimate goal with what I am creating and with Well Minerals has really been to take what I have learned and to take what I think people need the most. And that is, in my opinion, uh, forms of magnesium that are one, really highly absorbable, but also really help with sleep, with stress-related dysfunction or symptoms with focus and attention issues and really focus on that and doing it better. So how can I take what I know? How can I take now what I've learned through you just about all the other things, fillers and anti-caking agents and all those things and make an even better product that can fit a very specific need? So in this case, with more chill, which is launching tomorrow, it is a combination of this highly absorbable magnesium that's really specific to people who struggle with feeling overwhelmed or feeling like they lack the focus or feeling like they struggle with or they do struggle with sleep and insomnia or, you know, issues, you know, maybe you wake up in the middle of the night and combine that with L-theanine, given all the evidence that we have about L-theanine. So that's what's coming tomorrow, which is more chill. Um, and I'm really excited about that. And that's meeting a very specific need. And then later on, what Scott and I are working on and what I've been driving him crazy with is, is this, you know, how can then we take either magnesium glycinate and or magnesium lysinate glycinate? Maybe it's a combination. 
Um, but I really want to get just a pure magnesium lysinate glycinate because there's nothing on the market right now um, and make that for adults, but then also make an option for kids, for kids that is not citrate. <laughs> and no citrate. I'm clear on that. No. Two forms of magnesium that you, you do not want are oxide and citrate. Literally, literally <laughs> I'm, 90. I'm driving you, you have crazy. A, you almost have like a, a, a hate relationship with citrate. <laughs> <laughs> but it's literally every kid's I when my son was waking up with like bad dreams, waking up a lot in the middle of the night. And I was like, I want to up his magnesium and I don't feel comfortable upping his magnesium with any of the things that I have. And I was like, I got back on, you know, looking through, trying to find stuff back on my phone at like midnight. Everything was magnesium citrate. So I'm just really frustrated by that. And I'm like, this is not the form that he needs. It's not going to do it for him. So anyway. Tomorrow when this launches, it's launching May 31st. So it's essentially a combo of magnesium glycinate, glycinate, and L-theanine to help. It's your chill pill, more chill um, to help. You can take it during the day. You can also take it at night. But what we're also moving forward with, because I know everybody's going to have the questions, is pure magnesium glycinate, glycinate in capsule form. Just that, no L-theanine. And then also trying to find a formulation that works for kids. So, and it's going to be in drop form. So you said. I don't know if we said this, but two two hundred. It's two hundred milligrams of magnesium and two hundred milligrams of L-theanine. Yes. Per was it three capsules? Or for three capsules. Yes. Yes. Which is that that evidence based dose? You could technically, if you wanted to, take that dose in the morning, take that dose at night. You're getting a very you know wonderful therapeutic dose of both. But you could also, I think, because it is so absorbable and bioavailable, um, you're going to get a nice clinical dose in the evening. If you just take three of those, let's say if you struggle with, if you need that chill pill at night, struggle with sleep. Um, so anyway, and then according to you, you said I could have, we could potentially have my kids supplement and the pure capsules in the next four to six weeks. I would say six weeks, almost definitely four weeks might be pushing it, Okay, but six weeks for sure. Okay. Um, we might be, and we could stagger, we might be able to stagger it so we could get one out in four, one out in six. And, okay. you know, yeah. so we'll call no, I like four that idea. Six. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think staggering might be best because it's hard to juggle, you know, so many things at once, but um, I like I will, that. De- I promise you six weeks. How about that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hold me, hold me to the, hold me to it. I, I yeah. love it. Okay. So tomorrow more chill is launching the discount we've come up with is 20% for launch pricing so that you can um, test it out and actually see if it's right for you. We decided on around $39 a bottle and then initial 20% discount. Um, Use the code more chill 20 for more information on that. And then also if you're really wanting to, oh, and my website is wellminerals.us. That'll officially be the website. I'm really excited about that. Again, wellminerals.us. Now, if you're like, I want to know about all the things and you know that I am, I'm working on other forms of magnesium and mineral supplements, um, I've talked about it on here. My, You can join my newsletter. I am doing a lot of emails specific to magnesium and about minerals. I do have a totally free mineral guide. That um, newsletter list, if you want to get that guide and just be up to date on the things that are coming, it's coconutsandkettlebells.com slash minerals. And you'll be added to the list and then I'll send you that guide so that you have some information about supporting your health with minerals, magnesium, and all the things. So um, anything else from you, Scott, before we jump off and try to get this 
there's more I, chill I out. Can't, I can't wait to uh, to get the first batch of sample product and give it a try with myself and my my son and see how it goes. I'm I'm excited for this product. I think it's going to be great both personally and I think uh, people are really going to to feel a benefit from this product. So I'm excited so, and, and thrilled for you. Thank you, Scott. And thank you for dealing and putting up with me. And we all thank you as a community for um, dealing with me and creating something that I think a lot of people are going to benefit from and that we all need and we want. So not well, many people no, I, are willing I, to take take me on and do it. So I have to say, the, the only clients I like are the ones that are really into their product to make sure that it's exactly what the way they want, with the exact specifications they want. That tells me they're going to do a really good job with their community and they, they really care about what they're providing to the community. So I wouldn't have it any other way, Noel. Oh, thank you. All right. So thank you, Scott. Okay. So for more about the More Chill Magnesium launching tomorrow, May 31st, if you're listening to this uh, in real time, um, it's wellminerals.us. And that's going to be my hub moving forward for all things Well Minerals and the mineral supplements that I'm coming out with. More Chill 20 is your 20% off launch discount code. And then if you want to know more about what's coming down the pipeline, I'll try to mention some of it here, but you can also uh, jump on my email list. It's coconutsandkettlebells.com forward slash minerals. Thanks for being here, guys. I will talk to you next week.